you would take out your your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue to lean into the Lord's Prayer um, this week and next. Um, And uh, I hope this week as we look at uh, the Lord's Prayer, which you'll be just... Yeah, what you'll be encouraged by is the reality that God God really uh, cares <laughs> about your life. Um, God's locked in to your existence here on earth. Um, so if you would please stand uh, out of respect for the reading of God's word if you're able. Um, if you're unable, don't worry about it. Matthew chapter 6. Pay careful attention to the reading of God's word. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As far as the reading of God's word, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much, um, even as we hear these testimonies of grace. We know that life um, so often can be difficult. Uh, each of us has difficulty in our lives, some to greater div- uh, degrees than others. Um, and yet we thank you that through this prayer we can see you just love us in the midst of our brokenness. You're dialed into our lives. So God, warm our hearts with affection towards you. Help us to love you more, Jesus. Um, as we hear from you, as we look upon you, help us to fall in love with you. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, we've been talking for the last few weeks just about simple prayer, right? Um, I don't know about you guys, but for me, um, this prayer has been uh, just a yeah, just a sweet sort of anchor for my soul. Uh, especially over the last few weeks, um, as as especially this week, as I watched my grandma die, um, literally sat there and watched her die, um, to know that this prayer was something that guarded her heart uh, was beautiful. <laughs> something really simple like bread and wine, the last meal she ate, uh, that truly was her last supper. Um, it's beautiful. What really has impressed me this week as I've been praying this, um, I've just kind of been making an effort, a conscious effort, every time I think about you guys, about this church, about this sermon series, just to pray the Lord's Prayer um, as I'm doing it. Uh, Sometimes I fall back to the old King James Version, right? We all learn that. Uh, Sometimes I remember this one. That's okay. But what struck me this week is that in less than 30 seconds, like what we read in the reflection, this morning, in less than 30 seconds, I offer up a prayer that is a, in some sense, is a perfect prayer. Um, it's the prayer that Christ prayed. It's the prayer of wisdom. The very embodiment of wisdom. And what's what's just dawned on me, it's been so sweet, so comforting to my soul, is not only is Christ inviting me in to pray for his kingdom, he actually wants to hear about my life. Like, how wild is that? Simple ways. Bread. Forgiveness. Deliverance. 
simple things, yet incredibly profound. Um, simple things that move from the most basic of my needs. Bread. Something to eat. All the way to the most profound need. Knowing that I'm going to be protected on my day of death. Knowing that God is going to usher me into his kingdom. Protecting me on that journey. What an amazing thing. In 30 seconds. In 30 seconds. Isn't that so kind of God? That he gives us something that's so memorable and so short that we can pray it at the drop of a hat and cover our entire lives. So that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at this second half of the Lord's Prayer, dealing with what I call earthly prayers, right? The things of this earth, the matters that consume our lives, my heart. And, you know, it's always funny... um, I think I mentioned this prayer at the very beginning when I was here a couple weeks ago, but I don't know if you've ever learned the Acts prayer, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, Acts. If you have kids, it's a great way to teach them um, how to pray, right? You just run through Acts. God, I love you because, you know, you adore him for what, your creation, his beauty, right? Confession, God, forgive me because I... I'm a jerk, um, right, basically. Um, Thanksgiving, God, I thank you for this. Supplication, God, I pray for that. Um, Usually in your prayer life, probably, uh, my prayer life, I just skip straight to the end, and I'm like, supplication, and then like for the last maybe ten seconds, like uh, adoration or confession, if I really done something bad that week, which is usually like a normal week for me, like I spend a little bit longer on confession just because I have a lot more to confess. Um, rarely into Thanksgiving. Jesus gives us these three petitions to just ground our prayer. Um, to root our prayer. And to remind us that God actually cares about our everyday existence. So the first one, give us today our daily bread. Uh, Don't you find it amazing that we go from praying about um, God's kingdom coming and God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven to then praying for bread? Like, what a common thing to pray for. Um... We can run down to the store and buy a loaf of bread. In fact, if we really wanted to, we could go to Costco and buy like a hundred loaves of bread. (laughs) Give us today our daily bread. You know, there's a long line of of thought in Christianity. Um, There's no kids here except for back in there, so I don't really have to like, I can kind of go to a little bit of a higher level. So hang, hang with me here for a second. But there's a there's a there's a thought a long thought in Christianity that the physical flesh is bad, um, and that what's good is the spiritual realm, right? Um, this comes from an old philosopher, uh, Plato, um, and the uh, and the church has just swallowed it wholesale, um, and so we think like. We need to deny the flesh. We need to beat the flesh up. We need to put to death the flesh 
so that the spiritual, more like higher things will come about and that'll be better. We'll become better people. Um, you see this all over the place. Uh, American evangelicalism. You don't even have to go past like one Hillsong song and you've already got this. Um, you know, uh, Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Flood the atmosphere. Like, elevate us into the place where we're, we're dealing in just the spiritual realm. God's like, daily bread. Daily bread. Your physical body matters to God. Um, it's simple, right? So simple. We have bread sitting right over here. Daily bread. And yet bread, throughout the scripture, my wife and I were talking this morning, it's like, I just want to preach an entire sermon series on bread and scripture. Um, then followed up with wine and scripture. Um, simple things. Simple sustenance. God tells us, pray. Give me today, God, my daily bread. The things that I need for today. To exist as a human being. To flourish. To be provided for. You see, Jesus doesn't tell us to pray for a big uh, bank account, right? He says bread. Um, he doesn't tell us to pray for a beautiful car. Bread. Today's bread. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't ask God to provide for our future needs. Certainly we do. God values hard work. But God values also the very simple things that sustain us through our lives. This is also just like this amazingly humbling part of prayer. God, give me my daily bread. You know, this morning I went to Starbucks. Somebody caught me at Starbucks. Somebody saw me here uh, going to Starbucks. I went to Starbucks and I got a sandwich because I was afraid that there would be another accident, so I wanted to get here early. I had some time to kill, so I went and got a sandwich, right? You know what's amazing? I didn't give one thought to God when I was buying that sandwich. Simply went on the app, purchase and pay, refill my Starbucks card for my thing, for my bank account. Not one thought to God. And yet God grounds us. He humbles us to say, even your daily bread, even the thing that you a good gift from my hand. God gives us daily bread. So we pray. God, today, provide for me what I need. Second petition. Lord, forgive my sins as I forgive people who sin against me. This petition is overlooked in so many Christian schools. I can't even tell you. Like, it's pretty phenomenal. I went to a, a Christian college down in San Diego. Um, and I'll tell you what. Like, me and my friends, we were just wrapped with guilt. Um, we knew that we sinned. I mean, they, they told us. They reminded us every day that we sinned. 
But they never reminded us every day that we were forgiven of our sins. Forgive us our sins. You know, this is one of the reasons why we go through this pattern every week. I don't know if you've noticed that, but we're just kind of going through this. Confronted by the law, freed by the gospel. Confronted by the law, freed by the gospel. Over and over and over again. Why? It's because we forget, right? You have a bad night. Um, You get angry. Maybe you look at something you shouldn't be looking at. Maybe you say something. Maybe you drink too much. Um, And you forget. You forget that God is the God who forgives your sins daily. All your sins were paid for on the cross. And yet daily God gives you this beautiful reminder. Forgive. I forgive you. Forgive me. I forgive you. You know, the amazing thing was, is I heard all these rules and all these ways in which I was just a terrible sinner. Um, That didn't make me any more interested in morality. (laughs) In fact, what it did is it drove me further into craziness. Um, Because I realized there was no way I could do this. I just couldn't ever pull it off. And yet God gives us this relief daily. Moment by moment, he gives us this relief. Forgive my sins. You're forgiven. Luther says that all of life is repentance. The Puritans tell us that we even need to be repenting of our repentance. Because it's not good enough. Um... And yet God just meets us with forgiveness. Forgive our debts. Forgive our sins. There's a really scary caveat here. Um, If you've been paying attention at all, there's a really scary caveat here, though. And what's interesting is God doesn't usually work in caveats. You know, it's not like, God's not like a quid pro quo uh, God, you know, do this for me and I'll do this for you sort of thing. You know, like that's not how God typically works. And yet here we read like this really scary thing, right? Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Uh, I don't know about you, but man, when I read that, I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, I'm in deep trouble here. Um, <laughs> what am I going to do with this? Um, the reality is um, our forgiveness will never equal the forgiveness of God. Our forgiveness just can't match up to it. We can't forgive the way he does. So, and the reality is that Jesus knew that when he was teaching us to pray this. So, um, it can't be that there's like this, like God sitting there with like these, the the scales of justice, you know, and it's like, oh, Joel forgave a little bit more today, so I'm going to forgive him a little bit more, you know, let's equal this thing out. It can't be that way. So what's he saying? Um, After reading and reading and reading and reading, I really nerded out this week. I'm just going to tell you, I read so many old guys. Um, I think that what Jesus is getting at here is that we have a disposition of forgiveness. Um, 
it's it's kind of like the Matthew 18 parable of the unforgiving servant, right? Um, like we we look at what we've been forgiven, and then we turn around and we have this disposition of forgiveness towards the people around us. Um, John Calvin says this, that we willingly cast out of our minds wrath, hatred, and desire for revenge. And willingly, we banish to oblivion the remembrance of injustice. We willingly fight against bitterness, against anger. Um, As we remember and are reminded that we've been forgiven, we humbly walk into our relationships with an attitude, a disposition of forgiveness. You see, the point is that I should be willing to forgive, um, just like God's been willing to forgive me. Um, That I'm to see other people and recognize in them myself and then forgive them just as I want to be forgiven. Now, there's an important thing to say here. Um, Because after saying that, it could be really hard, even after hearing a testimony like we just heard. There's real injustice in the world. Um, There's things that happen that are really bad. Um, I'm thankful for for um, for the testimony. I I can uh, echo that in many ways. As a as a kid, I was molested. Um, That's bad. Like that screws you up. Uh, It wasn't by my immediate family. It was by an extended family member. I was molested for multiple years. Uh, Just ugliness. How do you deal with something like that in your life? Uh, I remember this this person um, uh, showed up when I was a pastor in Poway, showed up in my office completely drunk uh, one Saturday. Unexpected. Shows up in my office. How do you walk into that conversation? Um, sitting across your desk in the place of a pastor with a person who molested you when they were completely drunk. Lord, forgive my debts. Lord, forgive my heart. Forgive my anger. Root out bitterness. The amazing thing was, in that moment, even as I prayed that prayer to God, God helped me to have a disposition of forgiveness. Um, I can say, like, it was purely God that that guy left the room alive, right? <laughs> this is only God. But that guy, what he did was still wrong. And justice needed to be brought about. You see, this doesn't mean that we just become pushovers when injustice um, happens. It doesn't mean that our relationship goes back to being exactly the way it was before the person sinned against us. Some sins are so egregious that, like, you're just never going to have a relationship with that person again. Not every sin is that way. But some, some sins are that way. 
This also doesn't mean that we need to do this face to face <laughs> or alone, right? I mean, wisdom dictates that. Um, and yet we're supposed to have this disposition of forgiveness, meditating on what Christ has done for us so that so that when we're confronted with other people's sins, our hearts are ready to forgive. So like, like the pump's been primed for us to forgive. Now, forgiveness can take a long time. In fact, I'm actually sad that I've got to wrap this section up really quick. Because this, this is just such an important topic. Forgiveness can take a long time. Um, doesn't mean that you, you're like... I, my heart's ready to forgive you immediately, right? As soon as the person asks. But it means that we're meditating on this so that we walk through life remembering what we've been forgiven of and willing to forgive the people around us. You see, this is the beauty of the whole thing, right? God wants this sort of daily communion with you. Um, he's not put off by your sins. He's not scared of them doesn't make him like regret the fact that he saved you uh, in fact Jesus loves to hear us confess he desires it and he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness even the sin of being someone who just takes a while to forgive people if ever at all Jesus cleanses you of that Last petition, deliver us from the evil one. Um, this is just so beautiful. Um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, honestly, this is another one of those ones where I wish we had enough time to go through this in an entire sermon, but alas. Jesus is not just interested in your food or your forgiveness. Um, he's also interested... In the little moments of your everyday lives. You see, deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Doesn't just mean like, God, keep me from going on a meth binge. Right? That's not, that's not like the sole meaning of this. Although this, that's part of it. Right? It's not just the really big sins. But it's also the little things. The moment-by-moment moment sort of sins. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Um, we ask him to sustain us. I don't know if you've ever thought about uh, Satan's uh, role in the midst of temptation, right? We know Jesus doesn't tempt us. Uh, we're told that pretty plainly in scriptures. Jesus doesn't tempt us. Um, but Satan certainly does. Uh, that's, in fact, one of his main uh, one of his main weapons that he uses against us is to tempt us, to tempt us to despair, to tempt us to fall into sin, to tempt us to question God's love and His kindness. Satan does that. So we pray, God, um, keep us from temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from Satan's work. You see, this prayer encompasses your entire life. When you pray this prayer, it's not just about today, even though it is about today. We're also looking forward. Um, 
John Calvin, again, says this, We ask Him, therefore, to sustain us in the midst of this danger and need, so that it does not overcome and destroy us. And our final petition is that He would ultimately deliver us completely from all evil. And when the time comes for us to pass out of this life, that He would bestow on us a gracious and blessed hour of death. You see, that's the beauty of this petition. Um, This petition, as I prayed it with my grandmother when she was dying, this petition is our, when she was saying this, this is like her saying to God, God, lead me to heaven. As I leave this life, lead me to heaven. Protect me in the midst of this. So where is Jesus in all of this? Um, where is he? I always tell my friends when they preach and I'm listening, I'm like, man, I've had a terrible week. Give me Jesus. Here he is. Jesus, the author, the creator, the sustainer of all things, is so interested in your life that he gives you bread. He provides it for you week after week, day after day. Not only that, though, but even as we're going to partake of in a minute, He is the bread of life. He's the one who who has saved us to the point where we're sustained by His work week in and week out. He's also the one who provides for our forgiveness. Not only when He was nailed to the cross and rose again, But day after day, He provides for your forgiveness. By His wounds, you're healed. By His blood, you're washed clean. Day after day, minute after minute, it always blows my mind that Jesus died for me even knowing who I was going to end up to be. (laughs) Blows my mind. Um, The perfect God would do that and provide forgiveness for me. But then also, lastly, deliverance. Jesus, when He rose from the grave, He conquered our worst enemies. Sin, death, and the devil. When He rose again, dearest friends, because He rose again, because He rose again, you don't have to fear tomorrow. You don't have to fear today. Because He rose again. He's conquered uh, our, our greatest enemies. And now, even as Eric preached to you last before I got here, He leads us as our Good Shepherd. He wants, He desires what's good and what's right for you. See, friends, as you lean into this prayer, you're not just leaning into the reality of praying for big, giant things like God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. You're praying for the everyday, mundane things. Bread, forgiveness, deliverance. May God make us into a church that binds our hearts fast to this God who cares so deeply for the mundane moments of our lives. In the name of the Father, 
and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you've given us this prayer so that we can even um, in the midst of our of our just everyday uh, mundane crazy lives um, in the midst of work and a pandemic and all of these things in the midst of joblessness and death Lord, we can come to you and ask for simple things and know that you hear and Lord you care and you're involved and you provide you will guide us and protect us so, Lord, we pray that you would warm our hearts with love towards you. For Christ's sake, amen. Amen. amen.